the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Got questions concerning elder or state law? Attorney Mike Connors has the answer. He was recognized in 2012 as one of New York's top lawyers by New York Magazine and brings over 30 years' experience to the table. His office number is 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. Here's Mike Connors. We are gathered here on hallowed ground. Horses ring. Welcome to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors, accompanied by my wife, Beth. Hello, everybody. And tonight we have two of our attorneys who are also members of the Civil War Roundtable of New York, Christopher Kaznicki and Adriana Lima. Okay, I hope you could figure out which one was which by that, but you should. You know, this is radio. They don't know who's talking Questionable. unless you yourself. <laughs> All right. Now, in, in reference to the Civil War Roundtable, this show is usually about estate planning and elder law. If you have any questions about estate planning and elder law, we're going to do seminars in the end of April at the Greenhouse Cafe in Bay Ridge, Buckley's in Sheepshead Bay, and the Montauk Club in Park Slope. Times and places, give us a call at 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500. We're also going to be doing commercials on that. Tonight, we're going to be talking about the Civil War Roundtable because it's got a special event coming up in May. I think it's May 19th. Adriana, what's the event? Yes, so we are having um, a tour of Greenwood Cemetery with the Civil War Roundtable of New York, and it is on Saturday, May 19th at 1.30, and it runs till about 5.30. It's going to be a trolley tour. Um, we ask if you are interested to please give us a call, 718-238-6500. You can ask for Monica. Tickets are $35, and like I said, it includes the trolley tour and also um, a bagged lunch. So it should be lots of fun. And It's open to the public. Yes. Any First come, first serve, though. So if you do want to attend, please give us a call soon. Greenwood Cemetery, if you haven't been there, is one of New York's hidden treasures. And we're going to be touring the grave sites and monuments of different Civil War generals, like General Thomas Francis Marr, Fighting Tom Sweeney, General Halleck, Henry Halleck, who was Chief of Staff before Grant, and General Slocum from the Battle of Gettysburg. So join up with us May 19th, 1.30, Box lunch, two-plus-hour tour. Give us a call at 718-238-6500. Now, speaking about the Civil War Roundtable of New York, we're happy to have one of our attorneys, Christopher Kaznicki, who's also, at least for the time being, vice president of programming for the Civil War Roundtable. Chris, what's up on later this year? Um, Well, May is a big month because we have... uh as our guest speaker, Ron Chernow, um, who is going to speak about his new biography on Ulysses S. Grant, 
for those of you who don't know, Ron Chernow's uh, other biography on Hamilton became the basis for the breakout Broadway success that everybody has heard of. Um, so we're very excited to have him uh, come in May to give us his breakdown and his biography of Ulysses S. Grant. Then um, in September of this year, we're going to have uh, one of the the greatest legends in the, in Civil War history, uh, Ed Bars, who's going to be present with us. Now, he's going to be there on September 12th, which is a Wednesday. Uh, normally, we do have our meetings on the first month, uh, the second Monday of each month. However, the mon- second Monday of September of this year will fall on Rosh Hashanah. So in order to accommodate everybody, we will be moving our day to Wednesday. That's Wednesday, September 12th. And we will have Ed Bars without any topic, just Ed Bars there for a question and answer session called Ask Ed Anything. So if you are out there and you are interested in talking to one of our great Civil War historians, um, you, you can ask him on any topic. He will be available on September 12th, Wednesday, September 12th. Now, Ed Bars, assuming the creek don't rise, as they say will be 95 on September 12th, and he has a photographic memory. He's memorized all the battlefield reports of the Civil War. He worked for the National Park Service for 50 years. And if you go back to Ken Burns' Civil War, he's the bald-headed guy with the booming voice, and he's still around, you know, 30 years later. He was 65 then. He's 95 now. And if you haven't seen Ed Bars speak before, I would suggest this is the time to do so because he still is 95. How much longer can he do these seminars or whatever. Well, they've been saying that how many years now? Well, they've been saying it, yeah. (laughs) Some Civil War roundtables discharged him as a guide, you know, when he was in his 60s, saying, well, how how much longer can he do these tours? And, of course, as as one of our Civil War roundtable board members mentioned, that guy's dead now, and right now Ed Bars is still going (laughs) strong. So... You know, and and by the way, Ed Bars is going to be viewing our Civil War military miniatures. He gets a kick out of that. And if you have, if you want to find anything more about our Civil War miniatures, uh, Chris Cordani, where do they find out about them? You can see it on the website, askmikethelawyer.com, or the connorsandsullivan.com website as well. Check it out. It's the CBS story on Mike's toy soldiers. Oh, I'm sorry. Military, military miniatures. That's right. And Adriana, would you read the estate planning question of the week, the email question of the week? Sure. So this comes from Lucy in Brooklyn, and she says, Hello, I have two children. Both are agents on my power of attorney and are on all my documents together, even though they do not get along. I recently found out that my son used the power of attorney to open credit cards in my name, and the bills total almost $75,000. I love my son, and I'm very disappointed but don't want to get him in trouble with the police. My daughter is furious and tells me that if something is not done, she will no longer be my agent. What can I do? I did sell my house last year and put that money in a trust account at my bank. Can I use this money to pay those bills? How can I then have my son pay me back? I kind of agree with your daughter there because if if he spent $75,000 in credit card bills and you didn't receive any benefit for that, I would discharge him as PAV attorney. In addition, with your trust, what I might do if he doesn't pay the money back, which is unlikely, I might put a provision in the trust that the $75,000 plus interest is paid out of his share of the trust proceeds at the end. Now, since he sold the house, I assume there's more, a lot more than $75,000 in there. 
So I would amend the trust so that the first $75,000 plus interest goes to your daughter, and then if you want, split 50-50. Now, it's up to you whether you still love your son, so I assume you still want to leave him something, but that's a decision you have to make. But I definitely would not have somebody who charged $75,000 of credit card bills without me knowing about it. I definitely would not keep them as either my power of attorney or trustee. I would definitely change that and try to keep it where your daughter gets you know, a good percentage of your estate. In other words, she doesn't have to pay your son's credit card bills. You know, there's no right answer, but I still would talk it over and I would try to be as equitable as possible under the circumstances and to be as equitable as possible is just the very least your son should pay back the $75,000 out of his share if he hasn't done so before. You know, that's one of the things about estate planning. So if you have any questions about estate planning, you can give us a call at 718-238-6500. And Chris Cordani, where do they email us a question if they want? Email us at askmikegunners at gmail.com. That's askmikegunners at gmail.com. Okay, now later in the show, we're going to be talking to Jim Caviezel. And he is the executive producer and also the star of the movie Paul Apostle of Christ. And I know, Beth, you saw the movie for the first time a couple of weeks ago. What's your comment or your impression of that film? Well, I loved it because um, I was comfortable watching it. There are, there are obviously very, very sad things going on, but it's not so graphic that um, I can't sit through it. There's several, you know, Passion of the Christ. I've never been, I've never been able to sit through that. Um, but you know the people are in peril. You know they die. You just don't have to watch it. Um, the acting is so good. The, the directing is good. Um, the the close-ups of the actors, you feel like you're you're there with them and they're with their conversations. I just think it's beautifully done, and I just hope I hope more and more movies are able to be made like this. That's that's why please please if you can go watch the movie at the theater because if it makes money, maybe Hollywood will put aside its we don't like Christians point of view and go with it because they can make some money. So help them out, help, help. Like, uh, you had said it, I mean, Jim Caviezel's one of the producers. So help them. Um, go see the movie. Okay, and see it soon because you don't know how many weeks it's going to be playing out there. You don't know how distribution, whether it's going to dry up or not. So see the movie as soon as possible, and then we have a better shot that it's going to be playing a couple of weeks from now. Next on deck is Skip Lockwood fireballing right-hander for the 1970s, who was a closer for the New York Mets during that time period, came up as an infielder and started more than a few years for the Kansas City team. So Skip Lockwood is next. Then William Spencer Riley, director of the Sheen Center, where I got to see the movie Paul, Apostle of Christ, a few weeks ago. And then we're going to end up with Jim Caviezel, who plays Luke in the same film. For our Ask the Lawyer friends and listeners, you can attend any of Connors & Sullivan's free seminars on elder law, Medicaid, wills, and estate planning, and more. Yes, it's all free and all close to you. So come to Connors & Sullivan's free seminars. On Monday, April 23rd at the Greenhouse Cafe, 7117 3rd Avenue in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, at 11 a.m., 3 p.m., and 7 p.m. At Buckley's, 2926 Avenue S in Sheepshead Bay, Brooklyn, on Wednesday, April 25th at 11 a.m., 3 
8 p.m. and 7 p.m. and on Thursday, April 26th at the Montauk Club, 25 8th Avenue in Park Slope, Brooklyn at 11 a.m. and 3 p.m. Can't go to any Connors & Sullivan's free seminars? Then call Connors & Sullivan at 718-238-6500 for your own free office appointment. Make an educated decision on your estate and family legal solutions today. Just call Connors & Sullivan at 718-238-6500. That's Connors & Sullivan, 718-238-6500 or go to connorsandsullivan.com. Find out what you're entitled to. Come to a Connors & Sullivan free seminar. For more information, call 718-238-6500 or go to connorsandsullivan.com. Connors and Sullivan. Plan now for later. Hi, this is Jean Potton of Catholic Charities, Brooklyn and Queens, and a former player of the New York Islanders. I'm proud of my years playing hockey with the Islanders during the Cup years, and I'm also very proud of the work carried out every day by Catholic Charities, who is always there for children and youth, adults and seniors, veterans, mentally ill and homeless, with 160 programs and over 3,700 units of affordable housing. For more information, visit ccbq.org. We are committed to changing lives and building communities. We all know someone who's been touched by cancer. It's the second leading cause of death. And it took the life of my father, John Wayne. But even in his final days, he was thinking about helping others and publicly campaigning to raise awareness about cancer. His courage and grit inspired our family to do everything we could to fight the big C, as my dad called it. So we did something about it and founded the John Wayne Cancer Institute 35 years ago to advance life-saving research. Our discoveries are fundamentally changing the way cancer is treated around the world. Cures are within our reach, but we can't do it alone. I'm Patrick Wayne, and I'd be honored if you joined us in the fight against cancer. You can make a lasting legacy by helping to eradicate this deadly disease. Together, we can save lives. To learn more, visit jwcigiving.org. That's jwcigiving.org. Time now for Connor's Corner, where Mike takes a closer look at topics like history, politics, religion, and more. Here's Mike. Welcome to the Connor's Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. You know, I was in the military service 1973, 74, 75. Didn't get to see a lot of Met games during that time period. But then I came back out of the service in 1976. You know, saw a lot of Met games that first year I was out before I went to law school. And I was very impressed by the closer they had that year, Skip Lockwood. And we're very happy to have Skip on with our show today. How you doing? Well, thank you. Thank you. I'm doing great. You're going back a few years now. No, I am, but it's 1976. <laughs> I know you—I didn't see you pitch in 75. You pitched a little bit for the Mets because, again, I was in Germany then in the service. But in 76, you had some great games. What was it like playing in New York back then? Well, you've got to remember, I, I was a veteran player at the time. I had played six years in the American League as a starting pitcher in Milwaukee, California. And I had played the infield when I first broke into the big leagues uh, in 1964, 65, and converted to a pitcher. So I had spent a little bit of time uh, in and around the big leagues. I had some success as a starting pitcher with Milwaukee. Um, they pitched one-hitters back-to-back, uh, back, which was kind of cool. Um, Milwaukee wasn't a big market team. We didn't have a lot of fans come out and see us. It wasn't the reason we played lousy, but it, it certainly was a contributing factor. 
Um, I pitched in a rotation for four or five years here. Had some fun. Uh, coming to the to New York was a, a dream for me. Um, I had been uh, in a Yankees uniform in spring training in 75 and thought I was going to make the team, but they kept a guy named uh, Catfish Hunter instead of me. So I ended up getting cut from the Yankees right at the end of spring training and going to triple-A ball in uh, Tucson, Arizona. Uh, Pitched well in Tucson and then came up in the middle of the season uh, for the Mets. And actually, it was a doubleheader when I flew into Shea Stadium into LaGuardia, and I could see the game (laughs) as the plane banked for a landing into LaGuardia. The lights were on. The game was in progress. And uh, from the time that I landed and until the time I got into that game, it was only about 45 minutes. <laughs> so it, uh, in New York, things happened quickly. And um, I was at Met. I got into uniform, and I was in the game before I even knew where I was, I think. <laughs> well, let me ask you something, the way baseball was played. If I remember correctly, and I, you pitched a lot of innings for a closer back, let's say, in 76, 77. Yeah, we had to pitch the innings. We uh, The closer, um, first of all, didn't have the name as the closer. You were, you were pitching in the bullpen. Um, the, the name of the closer came along uh, a little bit later. We had to pitch innings. I mean, we had the game in the seventh inning of the, sometimes even the sixth inning, and, and you were the guy that had the hot hand. Uh, you were going to get a chance to, to come in. And, you know, the guys rode the, the horse that was giving you success in the bullpen. There wasn't a lot of job security out there. You know, you pitch one day to the next. If you pitch well, you get a chance tomorrow. If you don't, somebody else is going to get a chance. So, yeah, pitching innings was a pretty common theme. The book is about 1975, last day of the season. Tom Seaver pitches five innings, and I pitched four. He got the Cy Young Award winner that year, and I got to be the closer for the for the Mets for the next couple of years. Do you think you would have been more effective if you were used similar, more similar to what we see today, a guy comes in for one inning? I thought about that. Uh, I, had a, I had a rubber arm. I could throw a, a lot of innings and throw con- consecutive days. It's hard to tell if, if you got saved that way. I was pretty psycho when I went to the mound. I wanted to pitch, and I, you know, powering at the ground with my feet. And I really wanted to go, and, and I don't know whether or not I would have lasted if somebody else had the job going in there. Um, I was I was a guy that wanted the ball, you know, when the game was on the line, especially in the eighth and ninth innings. If I only had to pitch the ninth inning, of course, that, that happened a few times, but um, – I suppose it would have elongated my career. Um, I had a shoulder problem at the end of my end of my baseball career, and I didn't know really what it was. And it was a little pinch in the back of the shoulder, and it really never got diagnosed very well. But uh, it's hard to say. I'm glad I got the years I got. I'm pleased I played with the teams, especially with New York. Um, I got a chance to, to pitch in important games and with great guys, with Hall of Famers. And uh, and that's a lifetime of memories for me. Now, what's the purpose of your book? What do you want the readers to take away from it? The, the book is an attempt to 
take the reader onto the field with me. Um, people have asked me over the last 35 years what it's like to play. You know, what do they talk about in the bullpen? What do the catchers say to you when he comes out to the mound? What is the, you know, what does the manager say when they come out? What's it like in the clubhouse? Um, I wanted to answer those questions, and my way of doing it was to to bring you with me. So the book is a first-person narrative, in many cases, a first-person narrative of what it's like to be out there. Um, I take you into the uniform, into the game, you know, into the pitch count. Um, many times my contract was on the line. I was sweating bullets. Um, and it's written, every word of this book is written by me. So my attempt is here to be uh, authentic and to be honest and with a large degree of humility um, cover some territory that may not have been covered before, which is you're coming on the field with me and you're going to throw this pitch. Um, it's baseball in slow motion. It's it's you coming out to the field like baseball inside out. I like to, when I wrote the book, I was trying to remember the stories, remember all about the stories. And it's incredible when you start to remember a story, how the story will fill in and you can remember the emotions and you can remember the feelings. And uh, it's very interesting how these stories come together and one story will lead to another one. And then you remember another one and then you remember another one. Uh, it was an amazing, uh, and it was good for me to, to write these stories down. And I think the reader will enjoy, you know, the the way in which they're presented. What was your greatest thrill as a professional baseball player? Um, I, I had many. The 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 greatest, of course, the greatest team I pitched with was uh, the Mets. Uh, coming to New York was a, a dream come true. Uh, getting a chance to to, to come into the game after Seaver or Matt Lack or, or Kuzman, uh, great pitching staff in important situations. Uh, having Jerry Grody as my catcher, um, Eddie Cranepool playing first base, but Dave Kingman in, in the outfield. Uh, these were these were great days. We lived in New York. Um, we stayed there in the offseason. I don't know whether you read the story yet or not, but there's an interesting funny story about, you know, how I found myself in the wrong bullpen, but uh, <laughs> getting 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 a chance to pitch in New York, I think, was, was the, the the stories that I remember the best. Now, who was your pitching coach when you first came when you first came to the Mets? Well, Rube Walker was the pitching coach uh, when I was there. I, West Stock was the pitching coach in Milwaukee. I love West Stock. He was a very good pitching coach. Rube Walker was a very interesting guy. Um, <laughs> Rube was was a guy that. Wouldn't say much during the game, but he was sure with you before the game and after the game if if things went well, uh, trying to dissect and decipher you know what was going on out there. Rube was the kind of guy that um, he wouldn't he wouldn't let you come to him necessarily. He would go to you, and he'd find you. And he wanted to talk about your pitch selection and your emotions on the on the field. Uh, very introverted, interesting guy. I remember Rube Walker was great. Because it was unusual because he's one of the few pitching coaches who was a catcher, not a former pitcher. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and 
and Joe Torrey too. I mean, Joe came up, you know, I think he came up as a catcher. I mean, played a little bit of third base, but he knew a lot about, about pitching as well. I think the catcher sees the game in front of him that way. I think the catcher has great insight into, into the pitching, you know, how to pitch the players and, and how to go about, you know, setting up hitters. Uh, you know, each pitcher is a little bit different. But, you know, the guy that really made my career in New York was Tom Seaver. You know, Tom was my rise at the ballpark, uh, usually during the day. <clears throat> and he was a guy that would talk to me. And as you know, Tom was a, was a deep thinker, a scientist in a baseball uniform. Tom really looked at the game psychologically, looked at it deeply. He wanted commitment from from himself and from others. He, he worked hard. He, he pre- prepared the game psychologically. We didn't know about, you know, having a book on the hitters. I just went up there. If the guy was right-handed, I threw him fastballs, you know. But Tom was much deeper than that and, and really brought the best out of me because he, he forced me to think deeper and, and, and harder about my career and what, it, why was I doing well? And, and how could I, you know, do that, doing the, the games that I did well, how did I replicate those performances day to day? What'd you do after baseball? Well, um, owned a couple of banks. Um, I had been you know, chairman of a bank up in New Hampshire and uh, had one uh, in Boston. Uh, this was uh, 19, um, in the 1990s, and if you remember, that wasn't uh, <laughs> that wasn't the best time for banks. Um, you know, I raised five children, and uh, we live in, in New Hampshire now. And we summer in Florida with my granddaughter down here. Um, you know, baseball was something that was taken away from me. I didn't give it up willingly. Uh, the, the uniform and I didn't didn't fit anymore. Um, I was trying to get better, but I didn't get better quickly quickly enough. Uh, they they um, they released me uh, from the Red Sox. I really didn't have any place to go. I tried to make a quick comeback in the minor leagues, but uh, it just wasn't to be. So I wasn't ready to give up baseball, but it it uh, it was red, you know time for me to do something else. Every every major league ball player gets released sooner or later, except for the Hall of Famers. Yeah, it comes. You know, sometimes it comes like a thief in the night. You know, you don't really realize, and everybody around you must see it, and nobody's going to go over to you and say, "And then you, you guys start looking around for something else to do." Um, I I guess I knew it was coming. I didn't want to believe it. I was hoping that tomorrow. Uh, would be the day that my fastball would return. Um, I was I was very hopeful. You know, every day you go to the ballpark, it's a brand new day, a brand new brand new game. Um, I always wanted to go to the ballpark with a positive attitude. So I guess that sort of overrode anything I would be thinking about negative or trying to you know not wanting to pitch at all. I guess I I can say to you, I didn't see it coming, and I probably should have. Okay, the name of the book, Inside Pitch, My Life as a Major League Closer, the author, Skip Lockwood. Skip, thank you for being on Connor's Corner. You're very welcome. Thank you. 
If you're a homeowner age 62 or older and are finding it hard to pay off debt, or how about enjoying your retirement years with less stress? A government-insured reverse mortgage may be the answer or might be the perfect solution for you and your family. Hi, this is Frank Melia, a certified mortgage planner. I've been a mortgage specialist for over 20 years, and I've helped countless homeowners all over the tri-state area tap into a little or a lot of their home equity so they can use it right now. This past October, the federal government made changes to the reverse mortgage loan program. Give me a call now so our office can show you how these changes affect how much money you receive and how the annual mortgage insurance costs have decreased. My job is to help you find the best solutions for your retirement goals. I do this by educating homeowners with straightforward information and answers. It's free to call and speak with me, Frank Melia, to determine if this FHA program might be able to help you and your loved ones now. Call and speak with me right now. I'll answer your questions and help you decide if a reverse mortgage is right for you and your family. Make the call now, 888-943-2646, or try me on the internet at www.quanticbank.com backslash fmelia. Once again, call 888-943-2646, and you could be on your way to a stress-free retirement. Frank Melia, NMLS number 62591. All loans provided by Quantic Bank, NMLS number 403503. How can I protect my family if something happens to me? What if I need to go to a nursing home? What will happen to our savings, our home? What's the best way to give my home to my kids? Who will help us take care of Grandpa? These and many other questions can be answered with a phone call to Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC, 718-238-6500. Mike Connors, one of New York Magazine's top lawyers, has over 30 years of estate planning and elder law experience. Mike and his team of professionals will help you protect your assets from probate, taxes, and nursing home costs so you can have peace of mind knowing you and your family will be taken care of and protected. I'm Mike Connors, founder of Connors & Sullivan. People don't plan to fail, they fail to plan. The time to plan is now. I'm Beth Connors. Call today for a free initial consultation with one of our experienced lawyers. Connors and Sullivan in Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan, and Staten Island. Call 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500 or connorsandsullivan.com. Welcome to the Connors Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I was very privileged to see a uh, pre-screening of the movie Paul, Apostle of Christ. And the movie was filmed at at a beacon of light, let's say, at uh, Bleecker Street near Bowery, the Sheen Center. And I'm very pleased to have with me William Spencer Riley, the executive director of the Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen Center for Thought and Culture. How are you doing today? Great. uh, Great to be on, Mike. Doing great. First of all, let's go back two steps. A lot of people may not remember Archbishop Fulton Sheen, especially the younger people. Who was he? Uh, he was a giant in the media in the 50s and 60s. Uh, in fact, he reached between 10 and 30 million people a week. I mean, that's bigger than American Idol. And um, he was a, an extraordinary voice. And um, even though he spoke to people nationally, only um, 40% of them were Catholic. And he was a uh, an icon um, for um, being able to reach out to people of all faiths. But he was a, a bishop um, of the Roman Catholic Church. And um, probably the most influential person in the media um, um, from the Catholic point of view in the 20th century. In fact, he he won two Emmy Awards, and in one of his speeches, he beat out the Mr. TV, Milton Berle, and, uh, and Berle quipped, he said, well, he's got better writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. 
Um, <laughs> so he was an icon, and it's after him that Cardinal Dolan had this great idea of opening an art center to name it after him so that we now in the 21st century can uh, do somewhat of what he did, but do it from a 21st century perspective, and, and not just through television, but through film and um, theater and music and talk and dance. Um, so we're a, a vibrant new art center. In fact, we're New York City's newest. What do you have upcoming right now? Uh, well, tons of stuff going on. Uh, right now, uh, the Bedlam Theater Company has a great production of Pygmalion, which is the uh, the sister show of My Fair Lady, uh, written by George Bernard Shaw. Um, and um, we're doing a production of uh, a revival of the Broadway classic The Rainmaker um, with um, uh, Blackfriars Theater and the Storm Theater, and that's going to open on April the 27th. And that, like Pygmalion, will run a month. And then after that, we're, we're doing a show, uh, a conversation, um, fictitious conversation um, of a new show um, called uh, Tolkien and Lewis um, of Wardrobes and Rings. And it's a conversation between C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien. Um, and a lot of music going on as well and, and talk stuff. Um, um, I think in particular, from a talk point of view, we, we started a, a program in the fall called Civility in America. And it's basically designed to get somebody from the left and somebody from the right, and have them go at an important subject. And we did the first one on religion, and the second one is going to be on the media. And that one uh, will be with Larry Kudlow um, from CNBC and now of the Trump White House, uh, going up against uh, a liberal um, um, Chris Matthews from MSNBC. And the idea when I say going up, Mike, it, it's really, um, you know, there's so much screaming on television, on cable television in particular, you know, nobody really listens to each other. And so the difference is going to be, they're not just going to be nice to each other. It's far more important that they learn to listen. And so they're going to be challenged by the, the host, Father Matt Malone, who's the editor-in-chief of America Magazine. Um, to how they can improve their own message um, so that the other side has a better chance of, of listening. Um, so they're going to do that on, on the media and how the media can be both a, a builder of bridges and a builder of walls. And so he being a conservative, Larry Kudlow, and Matthews being a liberal. So a lot of stuff like that going on at the Sheen Center. It's, it's amazing what's happened that people are coming out of the woodwork to check us out. And, and, and the interestingly enough, just like with Sheen, I think probably you know half of them are Catholic and half of them are not. What else do you have coming up in the fall? Well, in the fall, we're going to revise a, um, um, a thing we started this year very successfully with um, Kelly O'Hara and also with Raul Esparza and Vanessa Williams. And it's called Broadway Bear Souls. And Broadway Bear Soul is a combination of what we are as a center of thought and culture, where they're interviewed about their life and their career and their faith. Um, and at the same time, uh, they'll also perform. So, um, um, the person we have lined up for the fall is Harry Connick Jr., um, and he's interviewed by Father Ed Beck, who's the religion correspondent for um, for CNN. Um, and uh, so he'll both perform and talk about his life as a Catholic and his career and challenges that he's faced. And it's kind of a nice mix of what we are. I remember last year we had you had our friend Joe Pierce's play on on Death Terrific. Comes. You know, yeah, yeah, Death Comes to to the War Poets. Yeah, in fact, he's coming back, and we're going to take that play, and we're going to actually. Um, Remount it and shoot it for uh, for video. Um, it's a terrific piece about um, two two poets from uh, World War One, um, and uh, I'm a huge Joseph Pierce fan. I think he's a I think he's a genius, and I, I we hope to have him back to do another series that we're going to do. Um, it's in the early stages. I haven't approached him yet, but it's on the afterlife, 
and actually using quantum physics to actually, I kid you not, point the way that we not so much can prove it, <laughs> but getting close to it. There's a genius of a guy that we're talking to, Jean-Pierre Isbouts, who's writing a new book. Uh, he's done a lot of the religious books for, um, for Nat Geo, um, and that's going to be the subject of his next book, and hope to have Joseph Pierce back for that one, too. Now, the problem with Joseph Pierce, every time you look on Wikipedia, he's written two more books. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's amazing. And, you know, and, and, you know, in fact, I had a great conversation about that. Um, and I don't know if it's one of the two, Mike, or not, but um, he has this, I think, very good theory that Shakespeare was actually a Catholic. Now, he's not the first one to, he's not the first one to suggest that, but, but I think he's probably got the best case for it. So that, that'll, that'll shake him up a bit. <laughs> yeah, well, he debated my wife, Beth, about that, but, uh, you know, going right? over. But he's got a pretty good case. I, I, I got to go along with him. Like some of the things about the will and who he <laughs> yes. left his property to and the fact he wasn't okay. registered with the Church of England at the time. And, right. You know, I, yes. I, he, he sold me, but, you know, I, I guess there's going to be doubters out there. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny about stuff like that. We're, we're, we're doing an evening um, this coming April the 10th um, in our large theater called Jesuits and Jedi. And it's um, the subhead is science and spirituality in the age of Star Wars. And so the, the guy who's the head of the Vatican Observatory, he's a astrophysicist, Brother Guy Consel Magno, is going to be there and, and really talk about um, not just the cosmos and astrophysics, but also having fun how how in the case of Star Wars, it's a perfect metaphor for, you know, the dark side and the light side and and how the fact and fiction merge. It's going to be a lot of fun um, in that it's, as I say, it's science and spirituality in the age of Star Wars, and that, that's on April um, the 10th. Um, so, uh, and that, you know, when you mentioned movies before about this one you saw in Paul, that was the sneak peek of the new movie coming out. We had the New York premiere of it. Um, and we're also doing, a, on, on April the 23rd, a, a really good um, um, documentary called My Italian Secret. And what it is, it's about um, folks um, um, who were hiding Jews during World War II um, um, in Italy. And it's an untold story of, uh, of a lot of, that, that people don't know. And it's about actually a Tour de France a cyclist uh, um, who um, was behind this uh, whole movement to hide a lot of people. And uh, the woman who created the movie, we, we kind of pride ourselves, whether it's a, a movie um, or a, a play that we do talkbacks after, so the audience gets to you know hear from the filmmaker or the playwright or the star of the, the film and and then also ask questions. And akin to what we did last year when Mel Gibson did Hacksaw Ridge, we did the New York premiere of that, and people were able to, you know, see a sneak peek of it, and Mel Gibson came and talked about, you know, why he made that movie from a from a Christian perspective and how it has, um, you know, it, it really had a huge impact on his life and how you can make mainstream movies that Hollywood will accept that have a very clear religious message. And you got to be clever about how you do it, but uh, it was great having him with us, and, and we've had others like that, akin to the way you were, when, when you were there the other night, uh, when James Faulkner, who played uh, St. Paul, was there and for the talk back. Now, how can somebody learn more about the Sheen Center, and do you have membership programs? We do. Um, it's it's really easy. It's sheencenter.org, and Sheen is like Bishop Sheen, um, which is S-H-E-E-N, center.org. Um, and memberships are available if people want to um, uh, join us at various levels. Um, but tickets are, are affordable. There's, there'll be over 150 events this season that you just go online to sheencenter.org and you can see what you like and, and buy tickets right online. Um, you know, and speaking of Sheen, I, I don't know if your your folks know that actually Martin Sheen 
his real name, you probably know as Estevez, but when he joined uh, Equity, Actors Equity, he um, chose to change his name and selected Sheen because of his admiration of Archbishop Fulton Sheen. And that's how Martin Sheen is Martin Sheen and everybody else in his family. All right, which again, he was in a film again that uh, showed up in your complex. Yeah, we, we did a we did a, um, a showing of a film uh, about his walk uh, to Compostello um, with one of his sons. Uh, it's called The Walk. It's a great movie. Highly recommend people get it on online or on Hulu. Uh, it's just called The Walk with Martin Sheen, and uh, um, and uh, we're actually I'm, I'm hoping that next year he may be able to join us for a major event we may do, but I'll know I'll know fairly soon whether that's going to be possible. Okay. Talk about an inspiration. He, he's you know, Sheen Archbishop Sheen has changed his life. So the Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen Center for Thought and Culture. Again, where do you where do you find out about it? What's the website? Repeat Sheen it again. SheenCenter.org. SheenCenter.org. Executive Director William Spencer Riley. Thank you for being on Connor's Corner. Great to be there, Mike. Whether you need help with drafting a will or trust, power of attorney, health care proxy, living will, or protecting your assets from nursing home costs, Connors & Sullivan's goal is always the protection of your rights and interests. The professionals at Connors & Sullivan have been helping people like you plan their estates and protect their families for over 30 years. I'm Mike Connors. Come to our office for a free initial consultation. Talk with me or one of our experienced attorneys to see how we can help you protect your family, your assets, and your legacy. There is no one strategy that fits everyone, but the biggest mistake when it comes to estate planning is no planning at all. Call Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law today to schedule a free initial consultation with an attorney at any of their convenient locations in Brooklyn, Midtown Manhattan, Queens, and Staten Island. 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. Or visit their website, connorsandsullivan.com. I think I just found myself believing that I didn't need God. I just had everything under control, and church was actually a, a burden to me. I might have gone to church, you know, at Christmas time, gradually quit going. No, I didn't take my faith seriously, which, which probably means I, I never really got it to begin with. You can have a beautiful car, a big fancy home, but if you don't have Christ in your life, there's an emptiness that's there. We are enslaved to power or to greed or to wealth or to lust, especially as a man. But there's a true freedom to not be enslaved, but to attach ourselves to God and to be free. Thank God I'm home. Now that I'm back in the Catholic Church, I'm a new person, I love it. There's peace in our home that we didn't have before. You're coming home to a Catholic family where people today just embrace you. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for whatever reason, we invite you to take another look. Visit catholicscomehome.org today. Hello, this is Father Frank Pavone of Priests for Life. The pro-life movement is winning. One of the signs of progress is the growing mountain of medical evidence that abortion harms women, men, and families. Even researchers who identify themselves as pro-choice are coming to this conclusion and publishing their research. Abortion advocates try to hide and bury this information. But so much of it continues to come out that their efforts to hide it will not succeed much longer. Abortion really destroys itself. The more it continues, the more it reveals itself as an enemy of the human family. Those who advocate abortion say they care about women's health. But if they do, then they will have no honest rationale for ignoring the harm that abortion does. As the mountain of medical evidence against abortion grows, so should our hope that it will end. 
This is Father Frank Pavone, National Director of Priests for Life. Welcome back to Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Welcome to the Connors Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. Right now, we're very pleased to have on one of the most talented actors of this generation, Jim Caviezel. And the reason he's on is we got a new movie coming out this weekend. What's the name of the movie? Paul Apostle of Christ. I think a lot of people might assume your name is first. You play the lead character. I helped get the movie uh, made. I do not play Paul. That's James Faulkner. He is Paul on screen. He's extraordinary in it. And uh, my um, affiliation with it came as I was obviously playing Jesus, and I read a lot of um, Paul's writings about who Jesus was. had a huge influence, and I thought, wow, if this ever God made, I certainly wanted to be a part of it and help influence at least the tone of what it could be. And I had an opportunity, and here we are. I was privileged to see an advanced screening of the movie, and Paul is played by a great character actor, James Faulkner, who some of the older people like me might remember him from I, Claudius, where he played Herod Agrippa. I didn't know much much about him. Um, I, I was just blown away with his level of commitment to uh, allowing um, the Holy Spirit to come through him and just be... Uh, Paul, he was the pillar of the film. I was definitely the ship of it, but he is the he is the captain of the ship, and he drives he drives it right into the storm, but not without Jesus, our rudder, and that completely comes through him. Why did you make this film? I'm sure you could have had a project that would have paid you more money. Huh. When you look at all the other material out there, it just had a, a side of moral redemption that um, I was. I look for and I continually uh, search for it. And in this time period that we're at, you know, gone are the films of Ben-Hur. You know, we're not doing those anymore, you know, uh, and we don't do them well. Um, And I I had an opportunity, um, you know, I crossed the Rubicon when I did The Passion of the Christ, and then they came to me with all these other faith-based movies, and they kept saying that word. And I said, you know, guys, these script, these scripts, are, they're crappy, they're terrible. They're they're just filled with so much sugar. Uh, um, and when Mel and I did the the Passion of the Christ, we never went, said we were faith based. We just went out and made an incredible film. And I think that is what I wanted to use my art, uh, my ability, uh, my gifts for, which is I didn't want to pound you over the head, but at the same time I didn't want to take scripture and and uh, change it like they do in so many of these other films. I wanted to make what I read in the story that has profoundly changed the lives of millions of souls. And so in the center of that is love. But love is tough at times, you see. And you know, I felt that at an early age. Everybody feels a lack of something deep inside. I just felt it much more than others, and I felt it sooner. Somebody very special out there wanted to be extra close to me. Let me ask you one thing. You talked about sugar. One thing I, I like about this film is that you guys are able to portray Paul and Luke as real people who are afraid of death, who are afraid of, in your case, being arrested. You're not just halos, you know, guys with halos printed up on cardboard. Yeah. Look, you know, my character, uh, he represents the pagans, all right, the non-believers. Uh, medical doctor, uh, you know, Greek, uh, smart, 
um, probably worshipped multiple gods and didn't have a Ten Commandments, so he could pretty much sleep with whatever girl or guy he wanted to. And then you got the other guy who uh, is a religious uh, zealot, very talented, brilliant also, um, but he uses his gifts for wickedness in Saul, and he has a massive conversion. And I, those two things, right? And you put both of those guys in the room, and they're going up against, you know, Nero, who's annihilating Christianity. And without, you know, our relationship with God, right? It, it's not just God doing the work. It's other people that uh, the relationship's two-sided. He needs us to be a part of this. And if it wasn't for a couple people saying yes, you know, where would we be right now? And so this film kind of says to you, hey, get off your get off your butt, get off your hands, do something. And it's that middle third of people that this film really goes after. You know, we have wicked people and they are evil. But when you look at the mass majority and the difference they could make, I still find that the greatest wickedness. And our Lord is very, very severe with them. At the end, he says, you know, when I separate the goats from the sheep, the goats will say, when did we see you hungry or thirsty? When did we see any of these things? Because they did nothing. And he says, whatsoever you did to the least of these, you did it to me. And so uh, I, I, take, I took those things to heart. And I, I, I wanted to be able to use my, my ability as an artist to help uh, bring souls to Jesus because, man, he deserves to be loved. We need to start telling them that we love him. So your main point about doing this film is bringing souls to Jesus. Of course, because I was lost. Because I was, you know, uh, uh, reached a real, real low point in my life early on that was questioning on what my own existence. But this love that came to me that profoundly uh, changed me. A priest told me one time, he said, Jim, God doesn't love you just before your sin. He doesn't just love you after your sin, but he loves you during your sin. And it's that love that completely broke my heart and I had to change. And, and so, but as Christians, we can't go out and say, okay, you know, God gave me love, then we don't give it to others. And that's most important thing. And that's an action that requires you to get up and do something. And love is, is where it's selfless. It's not focused on you. We're not victims. And Paul and Luke were definitely not victims. All right. So the name of the film is Paul, Apostle of Christ. Yeah. Thank you very much for bringing this film to life. Thank you for what you're doing, because I think you just left a message with the audience that should inspire some people, as you said, to do something. Just remember, audience, evil is powerless if the good are unafraid. God bless you. God bless you. If you haven't seen the movie, Paul, please do so in the next few weeks as soon as possible. Very moving experience, and as you could tell from Jim Caviezel's interview, he really believes in what he's doing. Now, we also talked to Skip Lockwood tonight, and and next week we're going to talk to another old Met, Ron Hunt. And I had the pleasure of meeting Ron Hunt uh, a couple of weeks ago, opening day, and he came into New York to watch the Met opening day, for which he complained that the Mets didn't buy his ticket. He had to buy his own ticket for him and his family. And if you know Ron Hunt, he's kind of opinionated. So it, it was a pleasure for me to, to meet Ron Hunt. He is one of a kind, and he does have opinions on baseball that other people may not have. 
like, you know, talking about steroid use, Pete Rose. He doesn't think that Pete Rose belongs in the Hall of Fame. And, of course, one of the pet peeves Ron Hunt has is that in 1963, Ron Hunt should have been Rookie of the Year over Pete Rose. Kaznicki, did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah. If you look at his baseball reference stats, you know, the, the objective stats, you know, where they take feeling into play and everything else, he had a better year than Ron Hunt. Rose, I think, hit 273. Ron Hunt hit 272. But Ron Hunt hit 10 home runs. Rose hit six. Ron Hunt had a higher on-base percentage, and his fielding stats were slightly better. So, you know, of course, they didn't have accurate fielding stats back then. But, you know, so I think that's one of the pet peeves of a lot of our Met fans. That in 1963, Ron Hunt should have been elected Rookie of the Year, but Pete Rose had better press, Charlie Hustle, all that kind of stuff. And because he ran to, to first base on a walk, he won Rookie of the Year. Now, was he, when, was he a heralded prospect when he was coming out? Was that what made him kind of win the Rookie of the Year over over Ron Hunt? I don't think he was that heralded back then. It's hard to remember 1963. And, you know, of course, there wasn't the hype that we have today with some of the rookies coming up. And I I would say 63-64, most people thought Ron Hunt was the better ball player than Pete Rose. But then in, in 1965, Pete Rose just exploded and became the solid 300 hitter mm-hmm. that he later became. But he does not belong in the Hall of Fame because he— gambled on baseball games and as Faye Vincent told us gambling on a baseball game is a no-no in professional sports especially if you're in uniform and as Ron Hunt said they had the signs there in Spanish English and French you can't bet on a baseball game so Ron Hunt said Pete Rose does not belong in the Hall of Fame so next week we're going to be talking to Ron Hunt in the meanwhile if you have any questions about estate planning and elder law give us a call at 718-238-6500 718-238-6500 we are gathered here on hallowed ground the voices raised heads bowed down we're gathered here on hallowed ground to sing this soul away we are gathered here on hallowed ground the voices raised heads bowed down we're gathered here on hallowed ground to sing this soul away Ask the lawyer friends and listeners, you can attend any of Connors and Sullivan's free seminars on elder law, Medicaid, wills and estate planning and more. Yes, it's all free and all close to you. So come to Connors and Sullivan's free seminars on Monday, April 23rd at the Greenhouse Cafe, 7117 3rd Avenue in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn at 11 a.m., 3 p.m. and 7 p.m. at Buckley's 2926 Avenue S in Sheepshead Bay, Brooklyn on Wednesday, April 25th at 11 a.m., 3 p.m. and 7 p.m. and on Thursday, April 26th at the Montauk Club, 25 8th Avenue in Park Slope, Brooklyn at 11 a.m. and 3 p.m. Can't go to any Connors & Sullivan's free seminars? Then call Connors & Sullivan at 718-238-6500 for your own free office appointment. Make an educated decision on your estate and family legal solutions today. Call Connors & Sullivan at 718-238-6500 or go to connorsandsullivan.com. Connors & Sullivan, plan now for later. The preceding pre-recorded program paid for by Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC. 
Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.